Kia ora, welcome back to Flying the Fern, powered by New Zealand Stories, Fernmark License Programme and produced by Raw Collective. This series is all about telling the real-life stories of well-known New Zealand businesses that carry the official Fernmark logo. We dig into how they came about, the challenges they've overcome, and their contribution to the reputation New Zealand businesses have around the world. Hard sparkling drinks have exploded in recent times, and it's almost strange to think that they weren't really a thing just a few short years ago. Native Sparkling saw the opportunity for a new wave of alcoholic beverages and have led the way in carving out this hugely popular niche. Brothers Matt and Guy Hobson and their friend Luke McBride started New Zealand's first hard sparkling company in 2019. Their range of flavoured alcoholic soda waters are low sugar, low carb and low calories and have become a staple of fridges all around New Zealand and further afield. As with most overnight successes, a lot more has gone into their journey than you might think. Guy talks through how Native Sparkling disrupted the established alcohol market and how their commitment to the environment and to drinking without so many nasties saw them through. Well, kia ora and welcome. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, David. No, I really appreciate being here. Now, if you were having a visitor that come to New Zealand for the first time, you know, what would you say to them as the must-do activity or thing to see or in New Zealand? The first thing that comes to mind is actually coming out to the farm. So we grew up on a sheep and beef farm in the Manawatu. So I've yep. had that experience of bringing uh, friends from overseas and having that experience and seeing it through their eyes yeah. of mustering sheep and um, having a cup of tea in the hills. And so that's what I always encourage people to do is to have that rural experience. Yeah, yep. It's what our cities grew out of as well. And so that's kind of what it immediately comes Stay to mind. in touch with the real yeah. New Zealand. yeah. Cool, I'll be there. Farm stays or encourage people to do that. Yeah, it's sounding like a subtle way of you just getting people to come and work on your farm. Is that it is, it? yeah. I was thinking yeah, yeah, of, we have um, to pick up hay bales or dock sheep or whatever we do. You know? Yep. And actually staying a little bit on brand as well, planting trees, I thought would be something that would be quite interesting. So yeah, cool. we've got, I think it's roughly 4 million people that were here pre-COVID, yep. obviously. So if everyone planted one tree, there's 4 million planted a year. Brilliant. And they're welcome to do that at home. This is what part of what we're doing at the moment with Native. That's excellent. And we're going to get to a little bit about that because that's a really interesting part of your story, actually. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about um, about the business uh, and about how it started because I think you met at university or you came up with the idea at university because it's a bit of a family business and a bit of a friend thing going on, but university was the beginning of it. Yeah, so Matt, uh, my older brother, who's a co-founder, and we have another co-founder, Luke McBride. Yep. Um, they were there back in 2012. It was the original recipe. I wouldn't say it's just the it's the start of the idea, but we've come a long way. So they used to make a, what, what they thought was a healthy alcohol. So I think sparkling water, electrolytes, yeah, uh, and uh, pure alcohol or something like that, a vodka or a gin. They just made this in their flat. Made this in their flat and it was about, um, they called it moose juice and it was all about roaring into Mondays was their kind of little tagline that they had at uni. Wow. So that was in 2012 and we actually made this recipe for Beavana only recently. You went back to the original moose went juice. Went back to the, to the original and wow. uh, it went really well, which was quite surprising. But we've come a long way since then and when I came in, I like to think that's when we kind of spurred our more professionalism right. into it all. And uh, we saw this brand called White Claw in the US and the hard seltzer category blowing up. So this was 2018. Uh, my brother and I had done a series of ideas during that time between Moose Juice and Native. But yeah. when we came back from our OEs, we were looking at something next to do. And so we dusted off the old recipe of, of moose juice yeah. uh, and looked at how we could kiwify that with apple and fijoa and kiwifruit as flavor profiles. Yeah. 
and essentially can up the best of New Zealand and take it back to the world. Um, so nice. that's where our kind of roots were born. I love it. And um, I mean, clearly you've now that's 2018, so you've had a pretty tough couple of years potentially going through the COVID period, but you're here, you're talking about it, you're exporting, things are going well? Yeah, no, it's been, a, um, I think we were young enough companies. We launched in 2019 as New oh. Zealand's first hard seltzer. Yep. And so we had a good summer season before March uh, 2020 when COVID yep. uh, really impacted us. So we're probably young enough and nimble enough to not have the full supply chain issues and manufacturing yeah. issues, but it also stunted, obviously, the growth opportunities that we could have launched into. Yeah. Um, but it was able to really refocus on what was important to us. Nice. And so that's where exporting and sharing the story to the world really came in. Brilliant. Oh, we're going to talk about that too. But let's just make sure, because I've got one here, actually. I'm going to, for the, those of you listening, this is the sound of me right opening. I'm going to write by the microphone. <laughs> I can see our producer over there going, oh my God, don't get that. Oh, so this is feel the, the quality. Listen to that. This is the lemon and yuzu non-alk version. Yeah, so. I know. It is sort of 10 o'clock in the morning, just to be fair. So um, I'm just having a little sip. Mmm. Yum. So this is basically classics. Beautiful, fresh tasting, native, sparkling. This is a variation, as you say, non-alcoholic, but you, then you make this hard seltzer, which means it includes alcohol. Yeah. The original recipe from White Claw and, and the brands that led that space over there was using a, a plant-based alcohol. So that's yeah. what we use fermented sugarcane, real fruit and sparkling water. So we describe it as alcoholic sparkling water. Yeah. Essentially, if you like the fruit profile, so one of the flavors is apple and fijo. If you yeah. like apples and fijos, you'll like the drink because yeah. it skips that kind of vodka or gin aftertaste. Yeah. Um, by using the pure alcohol aspect. And that's the, that's the difference, isn't it? Because the, the other alcoholic drinks are based on an alcohol type, like you buy a vodka or a gin, even if it's flavoured. But this is this is different again. It's got a whole nother yeah. profile. So if I gave you the the 4.6% version, it would taste pretty much identical to that. Wow. Um, and that's what we were going for, something really clean, crisp, refreshing. Yeah. Very easy to drink, um, but also we've been kind of positioned in the on-premise factors as premium yeah. aspect to it as well as only in a six-pack. So we're not really encouraging the, the huge night house as such, but just really premium quality drinks with, with good friends. Nice. And, of course, you should drink responsibly. Uh, and uh, Glad you got that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's probably other things you should say too, given that you know this business. Yeah. But um, the end of, so basically the beginning of a new industry or a new sort of sector within the industry. So this hard seltzer model, as you say, but big overseas, not well known in New Zealand. I notice other people. I see other people now um, getting into the same industry here. What, you know, is that, is that a good thing? You're sort of bootstrapping a new sector. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's great to kind of find white space and stand out and be unique. But it is still quite a traditional um, industry as such. We really probably hoped initially when we launched that some of the bigger players, like Lion DB, Asahi, yeah. would have would have come into the space and done a lot of the heavy lifting with the education aspect. Yeah. But what we saw was more of a kind of tweaking of the traditional RTD in New Zealand. We've got a very mature market here for RTDs. Yeah. And we saw then the launch of beer-based seltzers, so um, having like a malt-based rather than right. a, a plant-based, alcohol-based. And that's where we saw the the likes of these brands entering into the supermarket to find a new consumer. Yeah. But it did, a, in our opinion specifically, it did a real disservice to the space because of the flavor profile just wasn't there. Yeah. If you're going to buy a beer, you really want a beer. Yeah. You don't want something that's watered down with a bit of fruit, trying to like kind of cross it over into the supermarket space. Nice. So you took a few years to, to between the 2012 moose juice era and getting the business off the ground. So you obviously needed to learn a bit about the industry, and you sound very knowledgeable about it now. What's you know how how did you build up your knowledge on the sector and the industry? We knew 
nothing really. Yeah. Uh, we were consumers of it. I guess that was what we did know. We knew what we liked. Yeah. But we just really went and had to uh, learn how to manufacture, how to contract, how to put fruit in a can, how to find lids, packaging, designs, oh, everything from start to finish. And then that's obviously the manufacturing aspect and then there's the distribution and marketing aspect as well, what we yeah. can and can't say, as we've yeah. already touched on here. And yeah. then from a distribution, how to sell it, how to look at stores operate, how to, um, when's the buying seasons, how's the calendar where oh, yeah. work. So we're very product focused and very distribution focused for the first two years. Um, and we've watched other brands come in, which we would say would probably uh, less better tasting drinks than ourselves, but they've really focused on the marketing aspect and we've just watched them scale past us, which can be demoralizing at times. Yeah. But we're really happy we've stuck to our roots and our kind of own ingenuity and uh, what we've learned along the way yeah. because we're in a really strong foundation now for coming this coming summer, as well as leveraging the values that we do have into the yeah. exporting market. Yeah, and one of those values is being a family business because you set this up with uh, working with your brother and I think yep. your sister's involved as well. Yep. So, you know, is that important to you? Yeah, you'd, you'd need a, a buddy box of popcorn if you wanted to come watch us uh, sit around the table and is have a right? chat. Good, good arguments going yeah, on around the dinner table. And we try not to have a, a hierarchical approach to how we how we make decisions. Oh, I did notice that you mentioned that he is your older brother. So older brother. there's a little bit of hierarchy here. Yeah, but it's been, yeah, Matt and I have, been on a business journey for, I think I was 14 and met with 16 when we first started oh, really? a firewood business actually off the farm. And so I used to pick up a phone. I could hardly ring anyone and do a shake. Oh. I was shaking like this and it was uh, a, a torment Just a shy experience. boy from the Manawatu. Yeah, and so Matt used to lock me in a room for an hour and say, ring one person. So hopefully I've come a long way now that I'm sitting here. <laughs> you should be proud, Matt, if you're watching <laughs> or listening to this. But yeah, really high level of trust, brand first. If there's, you know, if there's a Friday four o'clock cutoff for a delivery, we know as a family that we'll always do it. Right. There's probably a consequence aspect if you don't in terms of a brother and sister um, being on your case, but there's also that real high level of reliance and trust that comes with being a family. Yeah. But yeah, we couldn't, especially with Brooke in those early stages of our business as she really took it on to travel the country. She probably traveled more miles than anyone else yeah. in, the, in the alcohol space, um, really telling the story. So that let Matt and I really build up the brand perspective of the, of the business. Yeah. And so in those early days, tell us about that. You were out there sort of door knocking, trying to get your, your products into wherever, retail, yeah. on, on premise, off premise, whatever the formats were. And it's just hard yakka. It is hard yakka. Um, and that's where... The values aspect comes back to, you know, what do you stand for? Why are you doing this? Because there are some long nights, long days. You challenge yourself every day. Why are we really doing this when we could be doing other things? But it makes it so much more enjoyable when you truly know what it is that you're trying to achieve. And then when you're, you know, out the back of Matt's truck and the first store we sold into was the Bottle O in Nainai. And walking in there and getting a sale and, you know, you're jumping around in the street like, well, who is this? We're doing this. And, you know, you've only sold four cases or something. Right. But and, the, and you got the owner looking out the door going, hang on, I thought you guys said you knew how to do this. Yeah, yeah we're fully, you know, professional coming in with our trade presenter and everything that we'd learned about half an hour before. Good um, on you. Thank but, you, yeah, Bolo Nainai, for backing the, the company. There you go. But to, go to the values because the values thing is really interesting. You know, I can't help but notice. So it's a festival. Your packaging's beautiful. This particular one's got a waka waka, a uh, fantail on it, and it's – and then down the side, it says beverages for bir- for birds. And it, you talk a little bit about, you know, what that means to you, the kind of values that you want to bring out in your products. Yeah, so we, we've kind of found it more internally on, on this idea of good, clean fun. So very simple, but the good aspect is we came across these statistics of 
80% of uh, Kiwi adults uh, really enjoy a thriving environment and understand how that has a, a great positive impact on our overall well-being. I'm not yeah. sure what the other 20% think, but yeah, it, yeah. it's 80 anyway. Uh, and then only 10% do something kind of about it, essentially, whether that's weekly or monthly. So we saw the statistic that 80% of Kiwi adults um, drink on a weekly basis. So we just thought how simple it could be to uh, do something that we're already doing that we spend 1.6 trillion on globally Jeepers, do we? and converting some of that resource back into to doing good in the world. And that was our good pillar. And when it comes to the clean aspect of our uh, brand is not just the look and feel of it, but the real fruit aspect. It's very easy to go into natural flavors because it's very cheap and we're a small margin, large volume style industry. Right. But we really wanted to stand on the um, the value of using real fruit, and it's actually what um, I know we'll probably touch on this later with Japan. Actually, what us got got us into Japan as being one of the largest importers of yuzu in New Zealand. So it's these types of values that at the start you could have really tweaked and changed, yeah. but we just felt gut feel not to do that. And so here we are today, using those values to leverage into other markets. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the last one's fun, which is what we're doing right now is yeah. you know, really engaging with people, taking people on a journey, bringing yeah. people into our journey and, and being a family business. You can have a lot of fun at the same time. Yeah. And you, I mean, you set up a business because you, you want to make a living, but actually most people would do it for other reasons as well, you know, and, and fun is a good, as, as good a reason as any. Yeah. Yep. But you also do a lot of work in the environmental space. Tell us a bit about that. It's what we founded the brand on, first and foremost. Um, coming from a farm, we love the environment. We see the impacts of having a, of Kiradu flying around, of Tui and Piwaka Waka. And it's a lot different here in Wellington. All those Zealanders doing an amazing job and seeing Kaka fly around high tai tai and things yeah, like that. We go for a walk cool. is amazing. And so we started the evolution of looking at this tangible impact that we could have. So that was, we started this uh, club called the 100 Club. So taking 100 individual species from yeah. Hatch to Release. It's about a 500K commitment, uh, 5K per species that we release. So we've done around $20,000 now for two Kiwi, um, Pumanawa and Piati over at the Pukaha Wildlife Trust at Mount Bruce and then Kokako up at Tiritiri Matangi Island. And through that process, it's been incredible really because we get to go out and actually release the yeah. species and we've watched it go from a, an egg. We do the sex reveal and gender reveal yeah. uh, and then all the way through to actually releasing it. It's been a, a really fun journey for us as founders to learn the process because yeah. before that we were we only knew so much. So we're really trying to go on an educational journey with the people that are following the brand and our customers. Nice one. And now we're changing tack a little bit. But that's more to come back to what we're really passionate about and what our roots are, which is the sheep and beef farm in Manawatu, yeah. and building more habitat space because that's what we've learned is that we need more species, obviously, but the species need somewhere to live. So we're starting a, a full campaign this summer, which um, I can't give you full information no, about, but it will be stuff. a lot to do with planting trees and a lot to yeah. do with starting at home where this idea really came this from. This is brilliant. So basically you're investing you know, from the business profits that you could otherwise just have taken out and, and bought a batch with yeah. back into the business in a way that really you know showcases the values that you want to demonstrate. Yeah, essentially, and we, and we can roll this into any country that we go into as well. Yep. So we're doing this investigation and insights in, in Japan at the moment of looking at what it is that the consumer really cares about when it comes to conservation yep. um, or the environment, and then how do we connect that into alcohol? How do we uh, share that story of um, the occasion of having that moment of uplift and relaxation, having an alcoholic drink, but also knowing that you're doing a little bit better for the environment? Yeah. yeah. And then what's that support that they want to see? So we invest that back into the Japanese market or uh, the US or market. Or it might or be. Oh, that's fantastic. Be. And um, 
let's talk a little bit about the Kiwi values that you that you talk about here, not just the bird, the Kiwi, but you know, you as a New Zealand business, mm-hmm. obviously you're a fern mark. You can see it there on your jacket. Very good. You use the fern mark. So tell us about what does it mean to be a New Zealand company? The best experience we had really is going away from New Zealand. So we recently went up to Japan uh, as soon as the borders opened late April, May. We were up there for about four weeks. And it was really cool to actually wear the fern every day. We felt like a little bit like the All Blacks were, were out <laughs> on tour. Yeah. But it was amazing. The I think you've touched on this, that it's more recognisable than the kiwi and the bird and the mountains and the landscape as the it fern is, mark the is, fern, yeah. uh, is what people know New Zealand for. And that unlocks that landscape aspect, the clean waters, the pristine waters piece. But there's also more to it than that. When we were in the market, we really saw trust and authenticity and uh, genuinely having a purpose was some of the bigger things that we saw. Yeah. So once we kind of got past those first, not cliches, but we've done so well to market them, once we got past that, it was really about the relationship aspect and that's yeah. what we saw in the in the fern of what we could build around. Fantastic. I mean, that, that is, yeah, what we hope that uh, people will see about New Zealand is they might know us for, you know, beautiful landscape and and the waters, et cetera, but actually they start to realise that there's something deeper than that and this is where the values come through, so. Yeah, yep, and um, it was my brother and I travelling, obviously, so there's a family aspect to it yeah. and um, it was a lot of fun, but uh, we re- yeah put it on every morning essentially as we went out and uh, you could see people looking at it and um, – it was a really fun experience. Oh, that's awesome. So what advice would you give to other businesses from New Zealand who are thinking about, you know, how do we how do we use that New Zealandness? You know, what is the advantage to us of being from New Zealand? Yeah, really look at how it infuses into your own values as a company, first and foremost, because yeah. you can't tack things on and they won't last. So you need to really make sure that it's bled in from the start of what it is that you're trying to achieve. Secondly to that is talking to as many companies that are already doing this. There's lots of people that are exporting or there's yeah. lots of people that are part of NZ Story and the Furmark and talking to them about what works and what doesn't. Yeah, We found that out as we went to Japan. We reached out to as many expats as we could. I know you've talked to Catherine and Jane on yeah. the Channels for Japan podcast and they probably put us in touch with maybe 15 different people that we jumped on before we went to Japan. Is that right? And to help you with just the to help, thinking. Yeah. Help with the thinking, what's the learning, what's the 10 things that are going to happen to us as we arrive. And one of them was, you know, this is very simple, but a business card for Japan is so important. Yeah. And we didn't have them because sustainability, we didn't think we needed to print them. But it's so important to understand what the market is that you're walking into yeah. and how that operates. Um, so talking to people, come back to the question, is, is really yeah. important. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to go into understand what other other countries or cultures think of us in a way that makes us, you know, meet them at that where they're at. You know, yeah. as you say, their expectation is for dress code or for the way that you uh, introduce yourself or, as you say, business cards. That kind of etiquette is really important. Yeah, it is, um, and it's it's fun. It's fascinating to go on that journey yeah. and respect the culture and uh, respect where that heritage comes from. So why Japan, by the way? I mean, that's it sounds like a cool market, and yuzu's delicious, by the way. I'm enjoying my yuzu, but oh, brilliant. why why did you uh, pick that as a, an initial market? So there's two answers. One's like the more formal, which is we did the New Zealand NZTE market oh, finder. market and, analysis. Very, and we did the analysis. Yeah. But the um, real reason? The real reason was yuzu. We did do the research, um, and Japan was, I think, second. Australia was first. Right. And you went, well, I've been to Australia. Yeah, been to Australia, and everyone does Australia. Uh, so the yuzu was, we've got a great relationship with the farm in Japan. We know where the fruit's coming from. It's important to us. Uh, that farm is owned by an importation company. The importation company has a relationship with the distributor and oh. kind of in a vertical supply chain way, it, it all started to work in our favour. Right. Which comes back to that value of using real fruit, as I touched on right yeah. at the start. And so that led us there. It was our way of getting into the market. 
And then from there, we've completed year one and now really going through all the insights to re-strategize and focus for year two. Yeah. I mean, it's growing in Japan. Is That must be a radically different concept in terms of scale, but also distribution models, et cetera. What are you learning? This is a hell of a lot of learning. The distribution is very layered. So obviously Tokyo is a massive place to yeah. get. Um, an example is uh, Coffee Supreme. It's over there that would love to stock our product to get to them. You know, normally in New Zealand, you just sell them a case and send yeah. them an invoice. Yeah. There it's four different touch points. So four different distributors. There's our importation team. There's the distributor. There's the kind of holistic approach over top of Tokyo. And then yeah. there's layered down to Coffee Supreme. So it's, it's very difficult. Each one needs a relationship. Each one needs the education on why the brand, why is this important to them. Presumably each one takes a bit of a margin yeah, I was going to get to the margin. There's a little bit of a cut yeah. coming out. Gosh. So it's, um, it's very different. It works for a reason and that's what you've got to try and work out rather than try and disrupt it because yeah. you just can't. It's what we thought we might be able to do um, as a Kiwi company and innovate and figure out a new way. Go into the car park and drop some cases off like you did in Nainai. Yeah, exactly. It, work it just Tokyo. doesn't work. Um, so then learning how to win in the game that's already being played is kind of what we had to learn. But it's worth it for you? Do you think the scale is there obviously for you? Yeah. It is an exciting market. It is. It's really exciting. Um, there's obviously leveraging the great work that NZTE, NZ Story have done for New Zealand brands in that market. We were up there when the delegation and the Prime Minister was up there as well and Zespri is doing an amazing job and yep. one of our flavours is kiwi fruit specifically for nice. that reason. So there's a lot of leverage that we can use that's already been done at the moment. And yep. then second to that is the Chuhai is the largest RTD market in the world and there hasn't been a disruption in that market for around 30 or 40 years. Right. So we're looking at, you know, hard seltzer, this huge beast of a thing from the US. Um, We're this cool New Zealand company that's innovating in its own way. So we're able to take that story of this huge market in the US, New Zealand, and and leverage that into Japan. Yeah. I always enjoy hearing stories of um, where you've maybe not done so well or where it's b- b- mistakes along the way. Need any, an hour or two to go Yeah, yeah exactly. Any kind of major uh, oh no moments that happened? Literally our first run. So our first uh, run being first production run. So uh, we used to have stevia as one of our natural sweeteners right. um, and, and not in any of the products at the moment or, or will again, but... Um, yeah, so I'm reading it now. I don't notice it. That's good. No, no. So it's not we don't have stevia in the, in the product uh, anymore. But when we first started, it was a way of kind of slightly sweetening it. And we went to a contractor and they missed the decimal point and put 10 times as much in our first <laughs> run. Oh, my God. And so that was 20K straight away as oh, founders. that was the entire run. It's yeah. not like you take the first one off and go, that's no. not right. And so we were like, oh, is this, is, is this a sign of, of all the things to come? But yeah. We persisted. We knew that we were onto something. We knew we were passionate about it. We yeah. had the values. We wanted to set this up. And um, but yeah, literally, it was our very first experience. Twenty k. Surely you could take that. The old moose juice crowd. They might have been interested in a bit of that. Well, we um, yeah looked at trying to figure out how how double you could the package price. It, but, double the um, price. That's that what was I would our do. first first touch point. But yeah, we could have relabeled possibly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's back. a good point. Oh god, interesting. I suppose there's so many things along the way. You yeah. sound like you're having a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been. Um, and probably only more so in the last year, we've really started to find the clarity as founders. Yeah. Um, the first couple of years, you know, you're really confused about why it is that you're doing this and the pressure you're putting yourself under. Yeah, We had a, a really great mentor, Linda Jenkinson, who's a, a super awesome Kiwi woman that's yeah. done some incredible things on the international stage. And so she's been um, right beside us the whole time, keeping us afloat essentially in terms of mentally. Yeah. And she always said that one of her day ones at Walton Business School was, you know, what's the key to success for startup? And everyone picks all these random things. But the key to success was actually having a really supportive partner. 
And that really made sense because when I started, it was nine months of no pay in terms of getting this thing going. Wow. But my wonderful partner, Emily, stood by us the whole time in terms of supporting me through that process. And so there's little things like that that you don't quite know when you get into it, the pressure you're going to put yourself under, but you need that support system around you. Yeah. Well, it is a family business and it takes the entire family, Uh, not the ones that work in the business as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. No, it's been a a fascinating journey and one that we feel like we're only just starting, even though it's been a roller coaster to here. Nice. But really excited about where we're going to go in the next, you know, three to five years. Well, we'll have you back when we do these podcasts again in a couple of years. I'm sure we'll get you back and we'll hear all about the amazing success you've been having in other markets too. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast series is all about highlighting the amazing work New Zealand companies are doing in a variety of sectors and spaces. If you like this episode, there's plenty more great stories from Flying the Firm podcast that you can listen to. Just go ahead and check them out where you found this one. We're also highlighting the Fernmark license program, which we talked about during the episode. The Fernmark is our national symbol and a country of origin mark that helps Kiwi businesses promote trust, authenticity and credibility by leveraging the good reputation that New Zealand has overseas. To find out more or to apply to be part of the program, head to our website, fernmark.nzstory.gov.nz. And lastly, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps others find us. Haere for now.